Pray for your spiritual maturity and growth. We have to understand the fact that <coughs> growth and maturity are two different things. Growth and maturity are two different things altogether. Because it's possible to grow and be quite immature. Amen? Mark can testify about that. <laughs> as uh, some might say, I can as well, right? Uh, where you grow and you have an appearance of the fact that something has taken place, there has been some change. And the thing is, everything that grows does not mature. But sometimes you don't have to grow in order to be mature. Emma could testify about that, right? Praise God. Your stature doesn't have to be too, you know, you can be vertically challenged. And you can be quite mature. You can have a business, right, that sadly outgrows itself. And when it outgrows itself to those of, those like Jocelyn who know accounting, can realize if you don't have somebody watching the sheets, watching the journals, watching the entries, sometimes a company will outgrow itself. And when it outgrows itself, if the funds are not there, the clientele is not there, if you're not serving what's truly demanded, if you're not changing with time, if you're not maturing in that sense business-wise, you can outgrow yourself. So the company can grow this way to the side, right, from left to right. And you can purchase another building, you can expand those buildings, but certainly it doesn't mean that the fact that the company is growing. You might see what appears to be growth. And it looks like the company is expanding. But the finances might not be there. The finances might not be there. A financial report is what tells a story. And when it comes to mankind, sadly, the same is true. Sometimes we can grow in stature, we can grow up, and we look like we're growing into six foot two. But you can grow six foot two, but it doesn't mean you're six foot two inside here, inside your brain. And sometimes you can grow to, to, to three feet nine and be six foot two here in your mind. But the same applies to our spiritual walk and our spiritual lives. We can appear to grow spiritually, but it doesn't mean that we have matured. How do we judge spiritual growth? How do we see and view spiritual growth? Many of us might see spiritual growth as somebody who is constantly in service in the church. Many of us may see spiritual growth as somebody who's always involved doing something. Someone who's always constantly volunteering. Someone who's given over of their service and of their time. We may see spiritual growth as the one who raises the hand, I'll drive the van. We may see spiritual growth because somebody's always in the kitchen. Or because they're always up front singing, always teaching, always preaching. But it doesn't mean that they have matured spiritually. They can simply be going through the actions, through the motions. See, it's very easy to learn the vocabulary. It's very easy to learn the actions. You know, we, we know when to stand up in church, right? We know when to praise and we know when to sit down. We know when to raise our hands. We know when to, you know, once in a while the preacher stays quiet or the individual up here, uh, they're having a hard time getting out the next, the next word. And, 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 and we know right there, hey, hey, let, you know, us as Pentecostals, right? Hallelujah, hallelujah. We start to praise. We start to praise somewhere in between. And it may look like some sort of spiritual maturity. But just because somebody is moving within a certain action within ministry doesn't mean they know what they're doing. 
Sadly, it doesn't even mean that they have been called into that area. Because sometimes, spiritually speaking, we wander into areas that we were not called into. Areas that we were not called to. The Apostle Paul is concerned about the spiritual walk of this church. And I don't know if you have seen. We were laughing yesterday uh, amongst my sisters. Not at my father. But at his situation. Because my father, uh, back in December last, uh, ending of November, right? He broke his ankle. He fell and broke his ankle. Now, we're not laughing at that. But we're laughing because he was celebrating the fact that they told him that he would need surgery in order to reattach his ankles, you know, screws. But they put a cast on it and somehow or another, praise the Lord, through prayer and power and the magic of miracles. Praise God. We all went into prayer. And asked certain people, please keep my dad in prayer. Keep my dad in prayer. He came back celebrating uh, about a week and a half ago that uh, he doesn't need surgery. Doctors don't know how this happened, but we know. But we know. But what we were laughing at yesterday was that my father, uh, though he'll be 82 now in April, has kind of a cool walk. He has kind of a cool swing when he walks, you know. And it's a natural walk because as far as I know him, you know, the, the, the 29 years that I've been alive, <laughs> as long as we know him, we know he, he, he's got the kind of swing like, it's such a cool walk. Sadly, he's a ladies' man. And even at 82, his eye still wanders, wanders. But he has a cool walk. So we were saying, wow, this, this ankle issue has certainly hampered his walk. Because uh, we ask him, how are you feeling? How's the situation? He says, well, I'm hopping around and hurts a bit. You know, from time to time I use a cane. That cane is killing him. Because he still thinks that he's 16. I remember back when, uh, when, when I was 40-something and uh, we're hanging out. He actually told me, and this is true. He says, listen, don't tell people that I'm your father. Tell them I'm your older brother. <laughs> tell them I'm your older brother. And he has a little swing, you know, and a nice walk. But that walk, he can't probably ever manage that walk again at this age. And I don't know if you met people that are kind of choreographed. Their walk is kind of choreographed. I don't know any of you who, maybe you've been like me, you know, when, when, when I'm in the gym. Never, never. But, 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 but you see the guys. You see the guys, right? No, no. By, by, by my route, we had this uh, place where outside they have this, this gym. You know, it's a park. And you see the, those guys are buffed. They just came home. You understand what I'm saying? They just came home. And these guys, they're working out. They're lifting weights. You know, they're doing the – you see this, these guys, these bodies are ripped. These guys are amazing. But naturally, you know what it is, right? After they do a couple of – 20, then you see them walking. Some people, let me tell you, choreograph their walk. I know a young man that I used to say, this guy must get tired. He must, because he's got to think when he's walking. Because, you know, that walk is nowhere near natural. And he used to walk all, and it was all the time. And I said, I used to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so human. But I would sit down, we would chat, have a conversation, and I would wait for him to stand up and see how he walked. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm that immature. But I, I would wait to see his walk. And when he would get up, he went back on to that. And I said, I knew that walk is not natural. 
It's not a natural. It's choreographed. He wants to be seen by people. You know, and he seems bad. He seems tough, right? You know, if I'm walking down the street, nobody walks like that. Nobody. Come on, please. Does somebody, you know somebody who really walks like that? I, I don't know. Maybe when you get home and Carmen's about to yell at you, it's another story. You know, you got you to you pose it. But, you know, nobody, you know, and the thing sometimes, you know what? We, we want to walk a certain way because we want to portray a certain image. And the church at Thessalonica, the apostle Paul was quite worried about them because their spiritual walk was being tainted. Their spiritual walk was being affected. The apostle Paul had to get so strong with this church because the church at one point began to indulge once again in pagan feasts. The Lord had called them to separate themselves, to sanctify themselves, to devote themselves to God. And when you sanctify and devote yourself to God, in other words, you separate yourself from the world. There is a difference between the world and the church and we have to be able to recognize it we have to be able to see it the apostle Paul was stressing the fact hey I'm praying for your walk I'm praying for your walk that your walk may not be a choreographed walk that your walk may be real that your walk may be genuine see walking is emotion Walking is a function, right? Walking, you're moving forward. Walking is progressive. Walking is maturity. Walking meets resistance. And the Apostle Paul wanted them to understand, you're walking in faith. You're walking in the Lord. You're not walking based on what you see. You're walking in faith in Jesus Christ by the power of God's Holy Spirit. So under the anointing and the power of God's Holy Spirit, when you walk and move forward, you have to be conscious of every step you take. But that step that you take has to have been planned through the power of prayer. Because spiritually, when we're walking out there, folks, the devil's coming at us. The world is coming at us. And from time to time, a thought will pop into our head from our past or even our present that may not be too holy. And it depends upon us whether or not we're going to follow through with the thought or we're going to continue to walk in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was so grateful to God for the church of Thessalonica. And we read in chapter 1, which I'm not going to go that far. But in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said, you know what? We, we came to you under stress and under suffering and under affliction. And we ministered the word of God to you. The Apostle Paul stresses the fact we spoke to you God's word, though we had just suffered. And then he says in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he says, we suffered in Philippi. We had just finished suffering in Philippi. What happened in Philippi, folks? In Philippi, they had been sent to jail by the owners of a soothsayer. They had been beaten. They had been stripped of their clothes. They had been imprisoned. But though they had been imprisoned because they had turned the world upside down in Philippi, they began to worship the Lord. And the Bible teaches that as they worshiped the Lord, the jail began to shake and the bars opened and they were free. But Paul stresses the fact, and we read back in Philippi chapter 16 of Acts. Paul stresses the fact, hey, hey, no one left. Even the jailer and his family came to Christ. 
What did the jailer do? The jailer had helped those who had beaten us. But then the jailer, accepting Jesus Christ as a savior, helped heal our wounds. Helped heal our wounds. And here we are, amongst you, the Thessalonian church, ministering, preaching, and teaching. The apostle Paul cared so much for this church that he stresses in chapter 1. <clears throat> we came to you in 1-5. We came to you in the power of God and God's Holy Spirit. You became followers, and you became followers by example and testimony under what God was teaching you through us. In other words, the church at Thessalonica began to change, began to be transformed. I love to hear the testimony of the new folks among us sometimes. Because, you know, you, you, sometimes you run into someone who, who is currently newly serving Christ, and, and when they speak, you, you see the genuineness within them, you know, the hunger, the thirst, the hunger. And, others, and sometimes their eyes begin to tear when they're simply speaking because they realize that the mercy of God is so great. I, I, I think I testified this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Perhaps some of you may remember, don't say, oh, here it is, but, but I'm going to say it again. I remember a friend of mine, when she first gave her heart to the Lord, and uh, I mean, she was in that church day in, day out, day in, day out. And while she's, you know, I remember because we were driving to, um, to her building. As we're driving to her building, let me tell you, the area is horrible for parking. The area is horrible for parking. And, and, and as we're moving along, we're driving, we happen, we happen to find a parking right in front of her building. We found a parking spot right center in front of her building. What happened to the sister? We know how hard to park. We normally have to park three or four blocks away. From the back seat, because uh, my friend, her boyfriend, is sitting up front. Uh, she's in the back seat, and she goes, oh, God is just so good. This never happens. A parking in front of the building. Lord Jesus, she's back there all over the place back there. Meanwhile, I'm serving the Lord a couple of years, and I'm a little bit jealous of what she was experiencing because she was so excited, and I'm looking through the mirror, and I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to be that spiritual, mature, immature Christian and not let myself go into tears, and I want to tell her, relax, relax, you know, relax. No, no, but I just couldn't. I'm in the front seat, and she's like, and I'm trying to park, and I'm, But I'm not, I'm not, folks, I'm sorry, I have to admit, I'm not happy uh, in that sense or joyful to cry because of the parking spot. I'm crying so joyful because I'm watching her reaction in Jesus Christ. As time went by, I was so sorry for because I came to realize the Lord was trying to teach me something. He was trying to tell me, Six, you used to be that excited about me at one time. You were at one time, you would get so happy if you found a quarter on the ground. Six, what has happened? What has happened? And today, folks, so many years later, I crave those very moments. I won't tell you who my friend is, but at the end, hug Jenny. Praise God. <laughs> Jenny, remember that moment? Oh, horrendous. All oh, the tears. 
All I kept thinking, the mucus in my back seat. Oh, no. <laughs> folks, folks, I can't do justice to the case. She was going nuts back there, but nuts in the power of God's presence. She was feeling God. And because she was feeling God, she was calling out to God with a genuine praise. And while she was calling out to God with a genuine praise, you know what happened? My hands began to stand. And I began to feel God. And as I was feeling God, I'm excited for her. <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm wiping away my tears. And I'm realizing, praise the Lord, God, you do little things. You do even the smallest of things. See, this church at Philippi, I'm sorry, the church of Thessalonica, they had been changed. They had been transformed. They had changed to such a point that they had affected all of Macedonia. Thessalonica was capital city of, of Macedonia. And the change was heard. Folks, when you first came to Christ and you first felt that excitement for Jesus, and you first felt that love and the fact that God's Holy Spirit was moving within. And you were so sensible to what God was calling you to do that you could not stop doing what he called you to do. You couldn't stop praying. You couldn't stop reading the word. You couldn't stop fasting. You couldn't stop speaking about Jesus to the point that people would tell you, please. And they would avoid you. They would avoid you. See, the church was so affected by the presence of God that the gospel began to spread. They began to serve God immediately. They began to do godly things. They began to separate themselves. You know what's so beautiful? That the commentators say they had gotten so involved in Christ that there was no time to sin. Could you imagine that? They had gotten so involved in the things of Jesus Christ and serving one another and loving one another and making sure that the widows had their meals, that the orphans were taken care of. They were making sure that those who were in prison were being visited, that those who were sick were being prayed for. You know, they were making sure that the word of God was spreading to the point that they were so busy day and night. Those who had their jobs would go to work, and when they were working, they were testifying to everyone that came across them. And when they left work, they went straight to serving and when they went to serving, there was no time for anything else. Honey, honey, you can imagine back at the Salonica, those cell phones burning up. Honey, I I'm going to be home a little late because you know what? I'm in a conversation here with the office. And, and you know what? We're having a conversation. And God, oh, Holy Spirit is moving. And all of a sudden, he tells them, hey, hey, let's, let's go lay hands, man. Let let's go lay hands. Oh, let let's go visit Demetrius. He's quite sick. Let's go visit Gaius. He's sick. Because a move of the power of the freshness of God's Holy Spirit was amongst them and within them. There was a desire to seek the presence of God to the point that the Bible says, if you read the first chapter, all of Macedonia have been affected by this church. All of Macedonia. Hey, how many of, how many of your neighbors knew about Jesus when you came to Christ? I remember a young lady, she used to this is the way she used to testify. She said, hey, 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 hey. She said, I'm selling real estate, but it's free. That was the way she would minister in the streets. Ah, I got some real estate for you, but it's free. And let me tell you, she would draw a little crowd. People wanted to hear. And when they wanted to hear, they would come and say, oh, whoa, whoa, what, what are you talking about? Any poor person wants to know about real estate, right? And she would say, listen, it's a nice piece of property. Let me tell you. And it's marked off just for you. The problem is that you have to sign in on it. You have to get involved in on it if you want it. It's right there for the taking. 
And if you come for it right now, and that was her little message and her little story. If you come for it right now, you know what? You, you can accept this uh, piece of property right now. But you have to come through Jesus Christ. And the message was, there's real estate. People say, man, but where? Some people will come and say, oh, it, it's got to be in Kansas. It's got to be in Montana. It's got to be somewhere far. And her message was, yes, it's far, but it's near. It's far, but it's here. You got a piece of real estate that belongs to you. In fact, it's a mansion. And it's in heaven. And it's in heaven. It's free. Because people saw, oh. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's free. It's free. Because Jesus paid for it by his blood. By his blood. It's yours. It's yours. I had another friend, Del Pino, man. And I, and I, and I loved when he ministered because he, he would stand by a wall. And he would go like this. He would stop banging the wall. And he's banging the wall. And people, hey, people are curious. People are curious. They will stop and just look at him. What is this guy doing? What is this guy doing? They're watching him. And he's banging and banging against the wall. Folks, let me tell you. Nowadays, you might just walk away. But back then, I'm talking about like the late 70s, early 80s. He's banging away on the wall. And he would choose different walls from time to time. And when he was banging, folks, all of a sudden, he would start saying. <laughs> he would start saying <laughs> as he's banging. <laughs> he Noel, Noah, Noah, let me in. Noah. No one let me in. <laughs> no one let me in. No one let me in. And then he would turn around and say, that's how many people were crying when the ark that God told Noah to build, Noah seemed like a nut, but yet he was following the direction of the power of God's Holy Spirit and Noah being perfect in God's eyes at the time amongst the men. Hallelujah. When the ark closes, folks, it's going to be too late. You don't have to knock on the door. He said the door is open right now, and the door is Jesus Christ. Come on in. Come on in. The door is Jesus Christ. Step right in. You have free access. You have free access. We have free access. The church at Thessalonica was so excited for Jesus that they began to serve one another. The apostle Paul has to speak to them in chapter 4. And he's trying to remind them back at how they were. Back at what was going on at a certain time. He's trying to bring them to a point where they begin to realize there was a moment in time where you dropped other foreign gods. There was a point in time where you separated yourself. All of a sudden, there's a desire. You know what? When, when, when we have time to waste, when we have idle time, hey, an idle mind is very scary. An idle mind is very scary. Folks, I, I, I want to suggest to you, as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Thessalonica, I, I'm praying along with you, and you're praying along with me. Get busy in the Lord. Get busy in God. Get busy in Christ. Get involved. Stop thinking about what's so difficult. Stop thinking about what's so hard. Move yourself deeper and deeper, more and more in love. And allow yourself to be inundated by the power of God's Holy Spirit to the point that you begin to move forward, not caring. Listen, this seems hard. I got this. I got this. 
you know, <laughs> uh, Carmen, can I use you as an example? Thank you. I, I, I love Carmen because, you know, I, I've been to district services, right, where, 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 where sometimes only pastors go. Because some of these district services can be pretty long, right? And, and you know, we have them sometimes twice a month, and we, 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 we're in and out. And with organization, you know, you want to be responsible. And, and I've gone to district services, and I've ran into Carmen there. And I'm saying, like yesterday, we went to service. It was about five hours long. Oh, wow, this has been recorded. It was a great service. It really was. It really was a really good service. But we had a PowerPoint. We had elections. It was a meeting. There was a lot going on. But I was remembering while I was there that we had the same meeting last year. And when, when I got there last year, uh, the service starts at 1030 in the morning. And when I got there last year, you know, I went on my knees and I'm praying. And um, when I got up, I'm like, praise God. I hear somebody screaming. I go, Carmen, look at Carmen over there. I said, what's she doing here? How does she find out about But it's the hunger for the things of the Lord. See, some of these meetings, like yesterday, uh, one of the sisters that was there from our congregation asked me, why are you here? I said, I'm here because, you know, the pastors come. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's hard enough to get the pastors getting there, but we all meet together once a month and we talk about certain things in the district and we want to move forward. But to see Carmen there and the excitement as she's like, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, I'm baffled last year because I'm watching her and I'm saying, this girl is, pardon, with all due respect, I say, she's crazy for Jesus because it's hard enough to get us there who have to be there. She volunteered to go and there's times when I get to a service and Carmen is there involved because there's a certain hunger within her. Last Sunday, and I, 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 I'm tired, folks. I stay here for three services uh, most weeks. And sometimes, praise the Lord, lately I've been going home after some, you know, to take a break. But, folks, Carmen is here with me all three services. Uh, Brother Lee as well and Sister Liz. But I'm talking about the new Jack. I'm talking about the rookie. There's a hunger for the things of Christ. There's a hunger for the things of the Lord. Where is your hunger, folks? Because I'm praying for your spiritual maturity and growth. I'm praying for your spiritual maturity and growth. We have to get involved and allow the power of God's Holy Spirit to continue. Where is the reaction to the move of God? Where is the submitting to the word of God? Where we feel that God is trying to stir us up when God is trying to move us? The Apostle Paul said, listen, do not move in the passion of lust. Like the Gentiles do. He's trying to remind them. Listen, you, you are no longer a Gentile, folks. He's trying to tell them, you know, there's a difference between the world and the church. The church has to carry itself in a certain way. And it's not a matter of, hey, listen, God's Holy Spirit's going to help you with your behavior. He's going to help you with your conduct. He's going to help you with your testimony. But it's also, it, it, it's also a part of what we have to be doing. We have to apply that Bengay if it's going to work. We have to apply that Icy Hot if it's going to be effective. Icy Hot in the cabinet, hey, listen, my back can hurt, and Icy Hot can be in the medicine cabinet, but if I don't approach the medicine cabinet, open up and take the Icy Hot and rub it all over me, it's not going to be effective. I have to take the Word of God and apply it all over my life. 
I had to take God's word and anoint my house with God's word. There are moments, you know what, where the devil is bothering you, your flesh is weak. You know, you got to grab the word of God and start walking around. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do I walk through the valleys? You know, you got to walk all over your house. And take the word of God to the corners where it has never reached. Speak the word of God in your home. Tell the devil, this is no place of yours. Tell your flesh, jump into the word. And you know what? When it gets too tough at home, listen, put the word down, but then go on your knees and speak to God. And the word you just read will begin to apply itself to your life. I love quoting Oswald Chambers. And listen, folks, the senior pastor says it all the time. He says, those of you who have been with me for so many years will hear expressions over and over. And that's just the way to, because there's certain expressions that we enjoy and like. And there's one that I love from Oswald Chambers. Right, Millie? Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers spoke, and he says, you know that missiles, missiles, you, you know the noise that a missile makes? You never want to hear a missile coming toward you. The missile goes how? No, not quite. Yeah, good try, though. No, not quite, not quite, not quite. No, no. Stick to going to services, stick to singing and teaching and preaching. Can you help me out, J.J.? How does the missile go? I don't know. No, it doesn't go like that either. Blue, you got it? Not like that? Well, blue is preaching now. How does it go? That's made in China. <laughs> A missile goes. <laughs> you guys know how it goes, right? <laughs> right? But folks, do you know we have the misconception about missiles? You know who invented that whistle on a missile? Hitler. He invented it so that what happens is when the missile was coming down, people on the ground would hear it. And they wouldn't know which way to run. There was no In other words, he wanted you to get real scared. Because you know what? The best way to kill somebody silently, right? Send a missile quietly. But Hitler wanted people to get scared when they heard the sound. He wanted them to die in fear. But then at the same time, he wanted them to scatter, and he didn't want, to, he didn't want them to know which direction they were going to go. So in other words, sometimes thinking you're running away from the missile, you were running straight to the target. And folks, misconception about missiles, a missile does not blow up in midair. A missile blows up with a warhead upon impact. Upon impact. So you hear the sound. And then eventually, the explosion. See, God's word, Oswald Chambers says, works just like that. See, you're reading God's word in your home. You're reading God's word on the train. You're reading God's word, hopefully not while you're driving. But you're reading God's word at home, at the job, on the train, on the bus. 
You're reading it in time and out of time. You're hearing preachings. You're hearing studies. See, folks, the word of God is all around you. The word of God is all around you. So in other words, the word of God, you hear the word of God, right? And the word, you know, at the time in scripture, they heard. Today we read it. So faith is starting to build within us. So while the word of God is building faith within us, we're building a sense of resistance away from the enemy, and we're walking toward God without even realizing it. And what begins to happen, folks, folks, the fact that we read the word and pray doesn't mean we're a Christian. The fact what defines us and gives us a testimony, which gave a testimony to the church of Thessalonica, that they were Christians, was their reaction, the way they reacted. The way they reacted. Because anybody can be called a Christian by name, but watch how they behave. Does their behavior match the word? So Oswald Chambers says, see, the missile comes in. When you're hearing the word, that's the sound of the missile. You don't know which way to run because the Bible's got you going crazy. The Bible's got you going nuts. And then what begins to happen all of a sudden? What? Something happens. See, because the missile comes in. Like this. And into the heart. And just sits there. The word of God is sitting in you right now. All it's waiting for you is to apply it to your life. To apply it to your life. To see a change, to see a difference, so that you can bring a change to Boston Row, to Prospect, to Bristol. And all of a sudden what happens is something happens in your life. Well, all of a sudden, somebody's expecting you to act the way you used to. Remember, Jenny? Vaseline. Earrings off. A ponytail. And we're like, David, where's she going? Jenny, put the bat down. Jenny used to fight with a bat if it was three or more. If it was two or more or less, it was her hands. But he's saying, what's going on here? But all of a sudden, let me tell you, that Jenny, Jenny's not Jenny from the block anymore. <laughs> because the word of God went, and it's sitting there. And it reached a point where all of a sudden there was a moment in our midst because I, I was good friends. We were, we've been good friends since I was 12. Jenny was like, like 22. But, 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 but I know Jen. And all of a sudden what happens with the word of God? The word is in there. And when all of a sudden something happened that would bring about rage that you think you got to hold somebody back, all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Oof. I'm going to pray about this. You realize God's word just went Because it was a different reaction altogether. See, the church at Thessalonica, when people came out with their pagan feasts and their orgies and serving foreign gods, instead of them giving themselves over, you know what? They would say, listen, um, you go if you want. I got to go to church. I got to go to church. You're going to do what you got to do. I'm going to go to church. You're going to do what you practice, but I can't do that no more. And the thing is, you know what, folks, they didn't have this word to teach them. They didn't have the New Testament to teach them. It was the power of God's Holy Spirit and the words of the Old Testament being applied to their lives. So changes began to occur in their lives. And they began to move away from sin. And the beautiful thing is, the Apostle Paul at this point saying, listen, Sanctification separates yourselves, stay separated, and he goes to an extreme. Why does he go to fornication? 
Why does he go to sexual sin? Why does he have to go there so deep? See, Paul goes to the extreme. Paul goes to the extreme. Because what happens? Fornication breaks the fabric of a society. When people sleep around, today what happened? There's diseases. When people sleep around, marriages break up. Relationships break up. When people sleep around, they become depressed. They want to commit suicide. Their hearts are broken. Because there's an intertwinement of souls. There's a giving in, folks. Young folks, praise God. Stay away. If somebody's calling you out, young people, I'm imploring you in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell them, listen, I got no time for that. My body is the temple of God's Holy Spirit, and I have been separated for the glory of God. Young folks, I'm begging you. If somebody's tormenting you, trying to tempt you, let me speak to them. Let me handle it. I'll roll up my sleeves for you anytime, Blue. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'll get Jenny from the block. We'll take care of this. But keep yourself separated. The apostle Paul had to tell them, because you know what? Folks, sometimes you're walking in Christ and everything is going well. Everything's going well. Or it all seems like it's going well. But the apostle Paul was calling them back because not everything was going well. See, that something has stunted their growth. Listen, I'm not making fun of him. I'm not making fun of him. But something stumped the growth of Mike Tyson's voice. If you hear this guy, such a big husky monster, he can, so you know what I'm thinking about going around the block, going and on, you know what? <clears throat> if you first meet him, you can't take him serious. If you get to know him, then it's another story. You realize he's a mature man, he's a grown man, fine, he can fight, he can punch, you respect him. He can bite, he can bite, right? He can bite. But you, you know what? <clears throat> but something stunted this church's growth. They stopped growing. And the thing is, this is where I want us to evaluate ourselves. Have we continued to grow? Or are we going through the motions? Have we shown an appearance as if we are growing? The Apostle Paul in chapter 1, he says, you know, pardon, chapter 2. Verse 7, and then verse, I think, 16. He says, we nurtured you like a mother. And then he says, we nurtured you like a father. In other words, it was well-balanced. They were growing. They were moving forward. They were progressing. But he says, now, listen, evaluate your walk. Because you have been called into a life of sanctification. Watch the way you're walking. Because what began to happen was, though they were in church and in the service, folks, this is what was going on. They were there like this in church. But they were looking to the door. They were looking to the door. And I love, oh, you know what's funny? Um, at one of our pastor's retreats, the Jorge Falero was preaching. And he says, hilarious. He says, I love he said, when you get to an activity, he said, he said he went to a youth event. He said there was about 800 young people in the auditorium that can seat uh, 1,200. And he says that when he got there, he says, and they gave him the part, he says, the first maybe six, seven, eight benches were empty. And the back benches were all full towards the back. So he said that he ran, he had a, he had a cordless mic, he grabbed the lectern, 
And he went all the way to the back of the church. And he asked everybody, please turn around. <laughs> please turn around. Because he had those that were by the door who didn't really want to be there. Up front. Up front. And that's where the church at the Salonica was. Those physically, they were in the first benches, but spiritually, mentally, their body and minds were outside. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you are no longer, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't think like those that are outside the church. There has to be a difference in your way of thinking. And folks, we know how the world thinks. We don't have to have it graphically told. We know how the world thinks. We know how the world operates. See, Paul is calling them, sanctify yourself in love and in brotherly love. And serve within the church. Separate your mentality from the world. Give yourself fully over to Christ. Because sometimes, you know what? Like when I said in the beginning, you read the word of God in every area of your home where it hasn't been read before. Sometimes there are areas in our hearts where the word of God has not reached. Has not reached. And we know where those areas are. We know what those areas are. We know where we're doing well, and we know where we are lacking. We know where we stand up right, and we know where we're crooked and we're having a hard time. Sometimes that place is a secret place that only you know about. Because God doesn't know about it, though God knows everything, but you haven't told him about it. Go into that area. Because sometimes we have a hard time talking to God about those areas because we think that it's impossible to change. No, folks. No, folks. This church had changed. And that's why God was ministering to them, and that's why God is ministering to us in the same area today. Because God knows the possibility of your change. God knows. Oh, I love a song that I heard a little while ago. It says, I, know, I, I don't know what you're going to do in the future, but I know what you've done in the past. And I know what you're doing now. There are areas within our hearts where God is trying to go. And that's why I'm praying along with you for your spiritual maturity and for your growth. Because I don't want you to look like a grown person, but yet be immature in the Lord. A lot of times, a lot of times, we look like we've grown, but only those outside of us know that we haven't matured. And we can fake it at times. We can fake it at times. But the Apostle Paul called them back, hey, separate yourself. Evaluate your walk. Evaluate your devotion. Evaluate your spiritual life. Did you speak to Jesus today? Did you speak to Jesus yesterday? Evaluate. What did you give more time to? What did you dedicate more time to? On Thursday, on Friday. You complain that you can't live for me, but how are you trying to live for me? You complain that I'm not doing enough in your life, but you don't let me get involved in your life. That's what the Lord would say. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Praise God.